Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning to you. I hope you're well on this uh, fine morning in, in the UK, at least, uh, after a heavy night of rain. Uh, so we're going to read uh, just a few verses at the beginning of Zechariah chapter 8 to begin with. Uh, so it says, at uh, chapter 8, verse 1, Again, the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of his age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. I'll stop there. I'm not actually going to look at verse four today, much that I would love to. But um, we've looked at chapter seven, if you remember, last week. And I would say chapter seven and chapter eight of Zechariah are complementary but contrasting chapters. They're really part of the flow of Zechariah's sermon or series of sermons that he's bringing to the people two years after his initial set of visions that he brought to them. The temple is well on its way to being completed. Um, a couple of years in, it's well uh, on its way up. It's just going to be less than two years before it's finally completed. But there is a big contrast in the tone between chapter seven and chapter eight. Now, we have a cat. Her name is Nala. She's half Bengal. And so she has this kind of slightly um, feral uh, uh, gene within her. So what happens with Nala is you're stroking her and she's all affectionate and she she's all purring and, and lovely. And then all of a sudden, kind of without warning, she switches to uh, from affection to aggression and her claws come out and she kind of wraps herself around your limbs. And, you know, you are you are dead meat because she's got hold of you. And uh, she's strange. She switches. She's this little switch in her brain. There's a very fine line between affection and um, aggression, if you like. Now, this is a big mistake for me to be likening God in any way to a cat. And one particular way is that God is not capricious. He doesn't change unexpectedly from kind of anger to affection. But just it is a kind of illustration because in chapter seven, what we find is that there God is bringing a stinging rebuke to the people of God. They've come to him and they've said, shall we continue to fast? Now that the temple's up, we don't need to mourn anymore. It's happy days. Uh, and uh, Zechariah replies to them and says, well, listen, that's not the issue. The issue is when you fast, why do you do it? Do you do it for me or for yourselves? And I was left with that uh, as a very strong encouragement to me. You know, why do we do things? Why do we go to church, for example? Do we do it because, well, what do we get from it? What are the benefits? Hmm, what do I gain from it? And we kind of weigh out the pros and cons. And perhaps after 18 months of not going to church as normal, we could think, well, you know, 50-50, I get some stuff out of it. But you know what? I also get a lot from just staying at home and 
maybe just watching it on the telly and it's uh, there's benefits as well. So kind of what's in it for me? And we make our decision based on what we think is in it for us. And God says, no, you're called to do this for me. And so actually you come to church for me because I am worthy of worship and I have gathered my people for my glory. And so we're doing it for him. Now, chapter eight switches, though, from that stinging rebuke to wonderful benefits. And God says, actually, you know what? When you do come and respond to me, there are huge benefits in store for us. And he spells them out. And Zechariah in chapter eight is assuring the disheartened people of the fundamental fact of God's disposition towards them for good and his determination to see all that he has promised become a reality for them. And so chapter eight is a wonderful chapter. It's kind of staccato promises one after another. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. Keep on repeating more and more promises from God. And it begins by saying, this is what the Lord says. I am jealous for Zion with a great jealousy, with a great ardor. Am I jealous for her? I'm a sucker for a chiastic structure. And this is a chiastic structure. It kind of goes, I am jealous for her, for her with a great jealousy. I am for her with a great ardor, which is a better interpretation than wrath with a great ardor. I am jealous for her. And so there is this expression now, um, the dog's been set off by uh, someone knocking on the door. Um, and so what we find is that God's, you see, God's jealousy can cause him to be angry with his people. Because if a wife is unfaithful or a husband is unfaithful, it can cause a jealousy. Um, and God can be angry. And earlier, God was angry because of, with jealousy for his people. Now we find that God's jealousy is uh, something that is an ardor for them. There is a deep longing that God has for his people. There is an aching ardor for his people. God is intensely longing for his people. He can't stand it any longer after 70 years of them being in exile. He can't stand it any longer. He wants them for himself. As Hosea tells us, he wants his wife back. He will have her back despite her unfaithfulness. He, his heart turns towards them in intense covenant jealousy for them. He cannot forget them. He cannot let them go. Do you know that there is nothing lukewarm about God's jealousy and love for you? There is nothing half-hearted or tepid about his passion for you and for his church. It tells us in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Such was the intensity of his love for his church that he gave himself up for her. That's how he feels towards you today. That's how he is towards you today. He is for you. He is with you. His, his jealousy is for you. He wants your undivided love and attention, and he gives you his love and attention. And so it's interesting because this phrase, I am jealous for you, is actually a repetition of 
a promise that God made back in chapter one and verse 14 to 16. Two years earlier, through Zechariah, God had said the same thing. I'm jealous for you and I will return to you and I will dwell with you in Jerusalem. Now he's repeating that promise. It's as if, well, back two years ago, they needed to be inspired to start the building of the temple. And God says, I will return to you. So go on, crack on, build. And so they did. Now, two years in, they may be thinking, well, the temple's going to go up, but can we be confident that it will be a success? Can we be confident that God will come and dwell in his temple? It's all very well building a temple, but will God return? Will God come to his temple? Will it be a success? Will this project produce a result? Will there be glory at the end of it all? And we could ask that same question as well as we refurbish our building at Odium. We may say, well, will it be a success? Will God show up? When we meet as churches together again, will God show up? Will it be a success? And the answer is an emphatic yes. God says, I will return to Jerusalem and I will dwell amongst my people. The Ichabod period is over. The glory had departed, but the glory is returning and the glory will come to his church, to his people. Folks, we can be confident that God will fill his people, fill his church with his presence, that he will be glorified and that he will dwell amongst his people. And it will be called the faithful city. It will be called the holy mountain. In other words, when God comes to his people, he will be busy making them a faithful people and a holy people. I love what Calvin says here, that God is never idle when he dwells with his people. He cleanses away every kind of impurity. He cleans the place where he intends to dwell and the habitation which he chooses, he casts away every evil. It's like on a Friday night when I sit down in my lounge and uh, I can't sit and relax and watch the telly or whatever until the place is tidy. I just can't. I don't know what you're like. I can't sit down and, and leave it unhoovered and mess everywhere. And of course, my wife will say that it's probably half of it is my mess. Um, the rest is the kids. Uh, I can't do it. I have to I, I have to make it clean first. And when God returns to his people, he is he is busy. He's busy declaring us righteous. He's busy making us faithful, making us a holy people. He comes amongst us to make us a faithful people. He has made us a righteous people through his blood on the cross. And he continues to cleanse us and to purge us when he comes amongst us to work in us. There's a wonderful story. And I'll just finish with this. When uh, uh, Geneva, back in the early 16th century, was a really immoral city. And nothing could change that city. The, the, the efforts of the city governors, it was an immoral, filthy place. And then Calvin turned up and they started preaching every day, preaching the word of God. And the city was transformed. It was changed. People hearing the gospel, people being cleaned up, becoming, becoming aware that they are righteous through Christ. And so the place was cleaned up and became a model city for Europe and a base for missions across Europe. And when God comes to his people, he dwells amongst us actively to do us good and to make us a light to shine, a, temp a, a lamp that will shine, a lamp that will shine out in the darkness. So let's believe those promises together. He guarantees our success.
Thank you, Lord, for these promises. We thank you. You are for us today. Be with us. We ask you in all we put our hand to. May we find your grace upon us. Cleanse us. Make us aware of your presence. We ask for this in your name. Amen.